Beloved, please rise as you are able and receive these good tidings from the gospel according to Luke, the 21st chapter beginning in the 25th verse. Now there will be signs in the sun and the stars and on the earth distress among nations confused by the roaring of the seas and the waves. People will faint from fear and foreboding of what is coming upon the world for the powers of the heavens will be shaken. Then they will see the Son of Man coming in a cloud with power and great glory. When these things begin to take place, stand up, raise up your heads because your redemption is drawing near. Then he told them a parable. Look at the fig tree and all the trees. As soon as they sprout leaves, you can see for yourselves and know that summer is already near. So also, when you see these things taking place, you know that the kingdom of God is near. Truly, I tell you, this generation will not pass away until all things and all these things have taken place. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will not pass away. Be on guard so that your hearts are not weighed down with the dissipation and drunkenness and worries of this life, and that day does not catch you unexpectedly like a trap. For it will come upon all who live on the face of the whole earth. Be alert at all times, praying that you may have the strength to escape all these things that will take place and stand before the Son of Man. Receive what the Spirit is saying. Thanks be to God. Let's pray. Loving and gracious, transcendent God, for deep prayer and for laughter, for your presence with us in art, in music, in images, and in one another. We give you thanks. I pray that the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart might be acceptable to you, O God, and might edify your people and give you glory and praise. In Jesus' name, amen. There will be signs in the sun and the moon and the stars and on the earth, distress among nations, confused by the roaring of the sea and the waves, People will faint from fear and foreboding of what is coming upon the world. Perhaps it seems strange to begin an Advent series on good tidings with these apocalyptic words. Where is the good news here? Well, as we have already been reminded by Pastor Casey today, Advent is a time of waiting, so you're going to have to wait a minute to get to it. We'll get there. But first, I just want to set some context and remind us that the text that we have heard today is part of a longer passage in Luke 21 of apocalyptic writing. And apocalyptic is a specific genre of writing in the Bible. The word itself, apocalypse, derived from a Greek word meaning to uncover, to disclose, to reveal, to unveil something. 
apocalyptic writing tends to focus on the end of the age or end times and quite frankly is most often thought of with some measure of doom and gloom. And it seems understandable that that's the case based on some of the words that we received in our text today, distress, fear, foreboding, it sounds scary. But at its most basic, apocalyptic is really just meant to wake us up, to remind us that things will change, that something is going to happen, that something or someone is drawing near. And so it makes some sense that we'd be given a text like this one today at the beginning of the season of Advent because Advent itself is about a drawing near. Advent, the word from the Latin word adventus, which means coming or arrival or appearance. The emphasis at this time of year is often on what has already arrived, what has already occurred, that is the coming of Christ in the baby Jesus, who then grew up and showed us what God's perfect love looks like in human flesh. But on this first Sunday of Advent, we're reminded that there is another promise that is yet to be fully realized, and that is the coming, the arrival of Christ into the world in a new way in the future that embraces all peoples and all creation, the fulfillment finally and fully of our prayer that the kingdom of heaven might be fulfilled on earth. In the years following Jesus' death, some early Christian communities living under tremendous persecution and despair caused by events like the destruction of the Jerusalem temple expected the world as they knew it to end any moment. They expected Jesus to come again using all of that old prophetic imagery with cataclysmic lightning strikes and the heavens and earth and seas roaring and shaking. Yet as time passed and time passed and time passed and the injustice and the oppression of the world continued, the expectation began to fade. Christians then had to learn how to wait how to not give up, how to remain a people of hopeful expectation in the tension between the historical events of Jesus's life and the desire that God's realm be fulfilled on earth. This is the tension that we receive in the text today from Luke. We like the earliest Christian communities, live in the in-between time, wondering perhaps how much longer for crying out loud. But really, the emphasis in our text is not so much on giving us a timetable, 
It's not really about the when. It's about what we do, how to be every day. We're encouraged to practice an active waiting, to remain awake and alert to what is happening around us, to pay attention to what is happening in the created order, to pay attention to the fear and the distress among the nations. And as we do so, not to allow ourselves to get dragged down into the worries of this life, but to remember that in moments of turmoil and danger and upheaval, God draws especially near. The implication of our text in its context in the scripture is that we are to keep the faith in the midst of fear and exhaustion and worry and grief. And that means not just thinking faithy things, but concretely responding to what is going on in and around us in ways that align with the kingdom of God, that embody the words of Jesus. You know, love God and love neighbor through doing justice, loving mercy, chesed, remember that word from last week, and walking humbly with God. Quite simply, the call of Jesus is for us to be a people of active faith and hopeful expectation in the time in between the reality of a difficult now and the hopeful vision of a promised kingdom come in all its fullness. But sometimes we know, of course, that life eats away at our ability to remain a people of hopeful expectation. Our gospel today does not pretend that human hearts, that our hearts are untouched by the worries and the griefs and the injustice and the struggle of this life. And yet we are still called to hope. And so though we find ourselves often expecting the worst, we gather as the people of God at the beginning of every new Christian year to expect the best. To experience again the ancient tale of the one who came into the world to save it. The one who came to show us that our hope is not in vain. Thousands of years have passed and we still cry out, come thou long expected Jesus. We gather this week and in the weeks to come to find the courage again to hope. We walk into literally the darkest days of the earth's cycle in this hemisphere, trying to have our eyes and our hearts open to the light we believe is coming not just looking back at what God has already done in Jesus, though we celebrate and honor that with joy, but also looking at what God is doing and what God will yet 
do. It's curious to me that so much of our collective human energy in response to the apocalyptic revelation of what God will yet do is often so fearful. When people think about apocalyptic, it feels scary, it just does. I mean, we're just afraid, like, ooh, scary, bad. And that makes sense, I guess, if we know that we have fallen off the wagon of even trying to love God and love neighbor. We hear the words that we heard in the scripture today that might sort of make us feel a little unsettled and nudge us to make some changes in our lives. But I think a lot of that collective fear out in the world about apocalyptic is really just based on bad theology. The theology that characterizes God as a smiter rather than a savior. If you think that the character of God is that of a bully or someone who delights in punishing you for any failure at all, then standing before God in in the future would be fearful indeed. But I want you to do a little mind experiment with me. I want you to put yourself in a totally different context. Imagine that you have been asked to go and to collect a very dear loved one from the airport, someone who um, needs a little more assistance and so therefore can't do the drive-by. This isn't a drive-by, stand, you know, park outside and hope you don't get moved along situation. This is a, you're gonna park in the garage and you're gonna go into the building. Now, what do you do here? Let's put ourselves there. You're gonna get out of the place, you're gonna go into the airport, you're gonna check the arrival monitor. You're gonna see where they're coming in And then you'll figure out what the correct baggage carousel is, where you need to go so that you can be present when they arrive. And then you go to that place and you wait. And while you're waiting, you're watching. And you are perceiving, you're seeing all of these other humans, all of these people, all of this activity, all of these other faces, and you're waiting. And you're waiting and you're watching. And then all of a sudden, out there, you see a familiar gate. You recognize that movement. You know who that is. And then they grow closer and you see a familiar face. They've arrived. What we're given today in our text is a promise that the one who is coming is a familiar face. This is one that we know. This is none other than the the one who loves you very best of all the one who's been with you through it all, the one who knows all your need, the one who knows where you have struggled, the one who knows where you need assistance, the one who has given you grace after grace after grace, and yet we continue to be afraid. The one who is coming is a familiar face. Friends, here is the good news today. Then they will see, then we will see 
the Son of Man coming in a cloud with power and with glory. And when these things begin to take place, stand up and raise your heads for your redemption is drawing near. Your redemption is arriving. The one who is coming is not some avenging stranger. It is Jesus the Christ who's been with you, who knows you, who loves you. There is no need to fear or hide your face or in shame or in insecurity. The loving, redemptive presence of Christ gives us grace to persevere in hope to remain aware, to keep from falling into despair in the face of our own failures or struggles, or in the wake of COVID mutation after COVID mutation after COVID mutation after COVID mutation amidst fears and injustices of every kind. Our text today brings us good tidings that our redeeming God is near. Is near. You see, the story that we tell is not that Jesus came once upon a time and gave us a great annual holiday and then dropped some wisdom and left the building and abandoned us until some future pyrotechnic event. This is not the story we tell. This is the story some people tell. Not gonna lie. This is not the story that we tell. I don't actually think it's the story that's in the Bible. The story that we tell is very different. The story that we tell is that Jesus didn't just come once long ago, but that Christ is Adventus now arriving today, even today and tomorrow, every day Christ is coming into the world. And that means that while we have to wait for the fullness of God's kingdom to come on earth as in heaven, it's already among us because Christ is among us. And I want to invite you into one more little thought experiment on this first Sunday of Advent. I know we're all a little sluggish from Thanksgiving food, which I continue to eat with some regularity. But if you just go with me for one more minute, I want you to imagine that when Jesus says, when you see these things taking place, you know that the kingdom of God is near. What if that meant that every moment of distress, every moment of challenge, every moment that there was a, a choice to be made, something that we had to discern, what if any one of those moments a way is opened for us in that moment to embody the way of Jesus such that the kingdom of God is manifest on earth as it is in heaven in that moment. Are you with me? We sometimes think of kingdom as somewhere out there, over there, up there, down there, I don't, wherever, but not here. What I want to say is, what if the kingdom of God 
is near. When you see these things happen, the kingdom of God has come near. What if it means that in that moment you have a choice and if you are able, you can step through into the kingdom and make it manifest in that moment. I have this image in my brain and here's the thought experiment. Have you ever seen a portal in a movie or on TV? You know those things? And all of a sudden it's always there, but it doesn't always show up. It's like always present, but it has to be revealed. And this is what I'm saying. What if, what if in every moment of our lives, there is a kingdom portal hidden, and all it takes for that portal to be unveiled is for us to stay awake and alert to Christ's presence and receive the grace that Christ gives us to respond in ways that are loving, merciful, patient, compassionate, and just, and thereby embody the way of Christ, which is the way of the kingdom, thereby bringing heaven on earth even for a moment. Or the portal is always there, but we choose to snooze and miss it, or to respond to situations as impatient, distracted, selfish, fearful jerks. There's that option. You know the kingdom is near when you're given an opportunity to reach out, to do right, to do justice, to be kind, to participate in God's work. And that can happen not just in the big moments of life, but in the everyday rounds of your day-to-day. In this in-between time, today and every day, Christ is arriving through the presence of Holy Spirit to inspire, to agitate, to encourage us, to help us live and love and choose as citizens of the kingdom of God. So be alert, pay attention, raise your head, look for the familiar loving face of Jesus Christ. Look for the ways that God is at work, even in small ways, providing what you need to keep faith and hope and love, to do what is needed to do what is just, to do what is yours to do for the sake of the kingdom. And in the in-between time, bask in the light that has already come and cling to the hope that someday, probably when you're busy making other plans, the unfinished, unfilled promises and possibilities of your life, your relationships, your church, our world will be fulfilled, redeemed, fully, and finally. And those are some good tidings. Those are some good tidings for sure.